That's classified. It's what? It's classified. It had been deemed classified. And B, that footage is highly classified. Classified. It's classified. You can't tell anybody, but... People need to know. Welcome to CIO Classified, where you'll find candid conversations with the world's leading CIOs. In each episode, we have two different CIOs discuss a single topic. This week, we were joined by Prasad Ramnakrishnan and Carter Bussey. Prasad is the Senior Vice President of IT and the CIO at Freshworks. He's rich with cloud-first engineering experience and has overseen many digital transformations as an IT leader. Most recently, Prasad appeared on the Forbes inaugural CIO Next List and today shares his vision for the future of CIOs. Carter is the CIO at WorkAuto with a successful track record as an IT exec in both private and public companies, including being the first IT leader hired at Salesforce. He's an expert on all things automation, team building, and scaling, and shares his valuable insights with us today. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Asana. Asana is a leading work management platform that empowers teams to orchestrate their work, from daily tasks to big strategic initiatives, all in one place. By enabling the world's teams to work together effortlessly, Asana helps organizations of all sizes and industries achieve their goals faster. Learn more at asana.com. That's A-S-A-N-A dot com. And now here's your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to CIO Classified. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by two special guests. First, Prasad, how are you? Pretty good, Ian. How are you? I am doing great. And Carter, how are you? I'm good, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, excited to have you both on the show. Uh, excited to chat CIO stuff as we uh, as we always do. All of the uh, all of the classified uh, conversations that we we have here. We're going to talk a little bit about employee experience, about security, about automation, uh, and everything in between. So let's get started. First off, Prasad, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your role as CIO at Freshworks. Yeah, so so you know I'm uh, I've been at Freshworks now for what three and a half years almost. Um, and funny story is I used to be a customer of Freshworks two times over before I, um, I joined them as the CIO. Um, so I'm responsible for the entire technology stack here. Um, um, I run the business applications, business analytics, program management office, um, and corporate IT. Um, so and we have a pretty uh, global footprint. We have around uh, 5,000 employees in the company and uh, my IT people spread out all over the world to take care of my uh, employee base. And Carter, what about you? Tell us about uh, what it means to be a CIO at Workato. Yeah, thanks, Ian. So uh, yeah, CIO at Workato. Workato is an automation platform really built around integration-led automation. I've uh, been here about a year and I run all internal. We call it business technology here. We, we, we rebranded IT to business technology which I love that name. Uh, yeah, so in all internal applications, all internal infrastructure, security operations, and also a fun role of helping evangelize uh, what we do to people like Prasad and other CIOs and uh, what we really promote the Workato on Workato uh, externally as well. And one just point in, Prasad and I had the same boss back in the day. Different times, but back in the day, we had a different same boss. Oh, funny. Small world. Yeah. Yeah, small world indeed. So ha- shout out to Mitch Wallace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is too funny. What company was that at? I was at Salesforce. 
yeah and then uh, mitch uh, went on to join viva as one of the co-founders and um, i was at viva as the cio uh, prior to coming to freshbooks yeah very cool well so today uh, we're going to start off with employee experience but you, you you did mention something carter that i think we should we should touch on quickly here that like this kind of it like what it is what the role of the the cio is i know that this is a very dense topic that we've we've you know we talk about uh, at length here on the show but but the idea that business technology is kind of this this new this new positioning of it, I think, is pretty sharp. Why do you why do you like that? I, I you know it, it it's uh, it's I've kind of grown on me. I, I've I've been an IT leader for years, where uh, centralizing the applications infrastructure underneath the IT organization was the way to do it. But uh, it it is no more with these low code, no code, very easy to configure applications and shadow IT coming in. We really need to partner with the business on rolling out technology. So that's the way I really look at our, our role now our, and as, as, as CI leaders is partnering with the business to roll out technology. And, uh, and it's not centralized anymore. And how do, you know, how do, how do you put governors and, and guardrails on these applications to allow the business to do their own, own configuration? And that's why I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of rebranding IT and, and thinking more thinking about architecture and guidance and governance uh, with my business partners. Yeah, so so true, uh, Carter. If you if you look at um, the CIO of the '90s and even possibly the early 2000s, uh, they used to be more technology leaders, right? But now, with SaaS applications becoming the name of the game, right? Um, they they solve business problems. So the CIO becomes more a business leader who who needs to understand how the business works, where we enable um, the business process using um, creative technology, right? And there's so many solutions out there. It's about finding the right solution. Deploying them, integrating them, and providing value to our uh, to our stakeholders, right? So, the CIO of today needs to know more about business than ever before. Is is what I would say. Yeah, and what's interesting? So, I agree with that. And you also kind of need to know more about your customers, uh, and you need to know more about this, you know, the customer experience as well, which I think is is a super fascinating topic. And uh, you know, we've we've talked about this idea that kind of like you have like employee experience on one side and customer experience on the other side as uh, as two imperatives. And especially if you're a CIO that is, you know, your product is, is sold to, to, to other CIOs or you really need to be that kind of engineer. And so we'll get into that in a little bit here. But as it relates to the CIO for employee experience, Prasad, like how, how should you think about that? Like what, how deep do you go in the employee experience to try to figure out what what's working, what's not um, for the employees at Freshworks? Yeah, see, I think two of the catchphrases you used, right, customer experience and employee experience, if you look at Freshworks and the suite of products we bring to the market, they're in exactly those two spaces, right? From a, from a, um, and, and very similar to what Carter does, right? We, we use all of our products. We call it as a C1 initiative where we are customer one, right? One of the things which we do in terms of looking at true uh, employee experience is democratize the process, right? So anytime a new piece of software is, is being uh, purchased, right? It's not about a top-down, push the software down, uh, m- m- make the deal in a golf course or on, on the flight uh, in the ivory tower and then uh, ram it down everybody. No, that's not the approach we take. We get employees involved in the uh, in the decision-making process. We want them to have a say in terms of which tool they like, which vendor uh, features did they like, right? So we go through a, a, a pretty uh, uh, semi-scientific process where we bring cross-functional teams of people and so what that does is I get a cross-functional view as to what the business is looking for. And I've also got their buy-in because it's not me pushing the tool on them. 
it's them choosing the tool which i am now deploying for them right so it kind of helps uh, from that perspective so that's one key construct right because we want we believe that um, the technology out there is now like a utility and everybody has an opinion and everybody needs to participate in the entire process the second is from an employee experience perspective what we look at is we we conduct frequent polls of our users right where I need to find out whether the technology that I've deployed six months ago, one year ago, is it working for them? Because maybe it worked for them six months back, but our business has evolved. Our business has changed. We have become bigger now, and we become. Um, we may have introduced a new product line. We may have opened a new office. Is the piece of software that they're using to to deliver their business function is it still working for them? Right. So, um, it needs to be constant engagement with the with the employee. Right. So it's not like a point in time you go and say, "Yep, I'm going to now." Look at the employee engagement score and find out whether it works, and then boom, I'm checked off a box. It doesn't work that way. It needs to be a continuous process, so that you are constantly knowing how technology is adopted. You constantly know where the problems are, so that when when the time comes, you can make the appropriate rip and replace uh, type of a decision to make sure that it is it is working for them. I love that Prasad about measuring and surveys. A big believer in surveys and measuring. Uh, because how often do businesses buy software and all of a sudden six months later it's shelfware, right? Uh, so yeah, I love how you the, the whole idea of value and measuring it and talking to people and you know we we have tools now to get into the software and see if actually people are actually using it. So that's what's great about it. Um, yeah, Ian, employee experience, big passion of my, myself and my team here. Actually, the leader of kind of the classic IT in a company. And there's the laptops and the infrastructure and the onboarding offboarding, I rebranded that the, the director of employee experience because I truly believe that, uh, and I, I think this is a Southwest Airlines thing, happy employees make happy customers. Uh, and they're, they're using technology. They are, they are employees using technology that, that our, our teams are responsible for. These laptops, these AirPods, the, the, all the connections, my monitor, uh, those basic things, the email systems, the the um the, the Zooms, uh, all that, the Slacks, the Slack channels. We 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 can't just assume people coming in know how to use the technology. It's the basic the basic blocking tacking technology. We have to create a great employee experience from the day they start, actually before they start, the day they start, and all the way through just just constant enabling and and training people on just basic one on ones of how to use the mail, how to use a chat system, how to use uh, your 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 laptop. We have a lot of people coming in who are uh, who've never been on a Mac. So we're 100 Mac shop today. And wow, uh, it's 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 a shock for some people to come in with on a on a, on a Mac, uh, Slack, Google environment with that only been a Microsoft environment. So I'm, I'm I have a young team, and I'm constantly having to retell them, hey, these employees are coming in; they don't know how to use this technology. You can't assume they know how to use this. Uh, so let's get out in front of them. So we are we're getting out in front of a lot of enablement and training, just on basic technology, basic you know, stuff we're using it every day. Yeah, and I love the way you call it uh, a director of uh, uh, employee engagement or digital experience, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you don't put the focus to that, you're not going to get the results that you're looking for. I mean, it's such a great point. You know, we do Google Asana Slack for the gas stack, as it's called here in Caspian. <laughs> obviously, we're a fraction of the size of you all, but, and obviously, Asana are, are wonderful sponsors of the show, but that's how we track stuff, right? Google Asana Slack. And we have, you know, any number of devices, primarily Macs here, but it's a really interesting point. And it brings up something that, that we had the other day where we had to do a company training on um, basically a certain function within Google Sheets. It was just something that people didn't really know. And it hammered home to me this, this idea that like, it's, especially with younger employees, like you just take for granted that like, of course, everybody knows how to do whatever, a pivot table or like whatever it is. 
And sometimes that's not the case. And like you said about devices, is like you might have never in your whole career had a Mac or like I have, you know, I have a Pixel book, I have a Mac, I have two Pixel books and I have a Mac and I have an iPhone and, you know, like an iPad and like, you know, it's like that's my personal thing that I have for like different devices for different things. And it's just, it's such a good point that it's like you have to, you know, make sure that people are trained appropriately because otherwise they're going to spend three months, they're going to bang their head against the wall and they're going to hate being at the company and they're going to leave. Ian, yesterday, we, we, myself and our CEO, we meet with all the new and our head of HR, meet with all the, the new hires one month after they start just to get feedback. Hey, well, can we improve? That lady in Germany, never been on a Mac before. She told me in front of all of us, there's 30 of us on the call, her first week she was crying most of the time because never been on Mac, never been on Gmail. I felt so bad for her. Yeah, this is, that's real life. We, we got to get in front of that. And we should have, we should have noticed that or, or knew that before she started. Totally. And the point I was making was also related to a new employee joining, right? The reason why somebody leaves a company and joins a new company is because they're done with what they were trying to do in the new place. So they come with so much of energy, so much of passion saying, you know what, I'm going to join this great company. I want to come and do some magic. They want to prove themselves in the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Imagine we give, giving them a, a pathetic onboarding experience. They don't have the apps that they need. They got a device that they're not used to. Or they have something where they have to submit 25 different tickets just to get the basic blocking and tackling of their role done, right? So employee experience starts right from there, from the day we onboard the employee. And in fact, we've taken it one step further. Uh, at Freshworks, we actually engage with the employee even before they come on board. The managers, uh, we actually engage with the prospective employee say, hey, I know you're going to join my team next week. Let's have a coffee. Uh, get, get them slowly acclimatized to, to our culture, to the way we do things and find out if they're comfortable. Is there anything we can do, right? So th there's multiple aspects to employee experience. It's not just technology. It's that human touch. It's about knowing uh, knowing you're an employee and knowing what they're bringing to the table and what they're trying to accomplish, right? And then uh, bringing all of this together. What I love about this is you would think this is an HR podcast, right? But it's not. It's an IT podcast. And this is like the new normal. This is like how things are changed. I think that that's... That's what's so fascinating about this is like you listen to you two, you two speak about this sort of stuff and like we're you know we haven't even talked servers and architecture and and all those other things but it's like this is where the rubber meets the road like if you're miserable and you've never used the Mac before like the rest of that stuff doesn't doesn't even end up mattering because the people can't do work can't do work right no no that's where I, I think you know we Prasad are you know, we, we want to be strategy folks we want to be part of the go to market motions and that's that, that's what got us into these Seattle roles but end of the day if those if those employees who are your main customers aren't productive you know day one of the technology provide every day that, that that's a really bad um, you know outlook on yourself and your team you got to have that yeah so I've, I've always partnered with my HR folks on that it's, and and I'm, I'm always tight with my HR leaders about the onboarding experience and and uh, providing a great experience every day and making sure they know how to communicate with me directly if there's an issue. Yeah. And if you remember, Carter, in the, in the, in the last uh, session that you and I did, right, uh, IT is never known for the big things. You may deploy the world's best HR tool or the world's best CRM tool or the world's best financial tool. We are always known for the small things. The Wi-Fi is not working. The printer is not working. My mouse is not working, right? My keyboard is stuck. Yep. That, that's what IT is always known for. If you remember that conversation, absolutely, you're right. You're right, and yeah, yeah, and uh, we we have a very global workforce, and I'm, I'm my my CFO would be embarrassed. I'm I'm his personal 
computer laptop support. He's never been on a Mac, so he's he's a couple towns away. I drive up there and see him a couple times, and I got him back on a Mac and got him a nice monitor and fixed his printer for him. So <laughs> it was all hands on deck for employee experience. And especially for a CFO, being not on a uh, on a Microsoft machine is uh, would be would be tough, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's something that we we've talked about previously on the show about the idea that you have when when obviously like the pandemic started. And all of a sudden, every CEO had to work from home. And then they're like, oh, I got to I gotta have all this stuff. And I don't have my like boardroom. And I don't have all this. And I need to figure out like my home setup and camera and all this sort of stuff. And then you kind of realize, and then you go to the CEO and you go, hey, you know this, all this stuff that you're worried about? Every single employee in the entire organization has to do the same thing. And they don't have the CIO to come help them. So like, how do we figure this out? Like that's, I think this was like seriously the first time that like, Every CEO was was like, oh my goodness, like this is what it's like. Like I'm dealing with all the same challenges. There's there's no there's no help coming, right? It's like my internet, my you know the picture, my kids coming in the room, and all that stuff. And I think it was this it was a watershed moment for for uh, employee experience where it was like, oh, we kind of like have to level set everybody right now, right this second, and start building from the ground up rather than just kind of saying like, hey, this is just, you know, how, how we do things. So true, so true. Yeah, the pandemic has been a great leveler, uh, Ian, right? Where uh, a lot of things which we used to take for granted, um, we, had to, we had to think differently, right? Uh, so not just the, the, the C-level staff, but also from an employee perspective, Previously, if they had a problem, they could walk over to the IT clinic or they can just walk over to their colleague and say, hey, um, I need help. And right now, the only person I can go to is my dog who's sitting in the room with me, right? Um, right. So it, it's about every small problem becomes a big problem. And uh, so uh, we did some creative things there. And I know we'll get into that in the next part of the discussion. Yeah, and, well, and, and I think everything, everything became a digital problem. And that's the other thing is like every experience is now digital. Everything, you know, with your company has to be digital. Everything is now like, if it didn't used to be tracked, now it's going to be tracked because it's some type of you know digital thing and like the IT kind of ticket taking mentality turning into this like hey we need to be super proactive to avoid you know all this sort of stuff. I'm curious, yeah, for example, like what were you seeing? What mistakes were made, uh, and, and what did you figure out? Yeah, see, I think from a from a, a pandemic response perspective, uh, Ian, we were. Um, we saw the early signs that this is going to be bigger than just a small virus uh, sitting in China because I had just then uh, I was just coming back from a business trip to our India office and I was uh, flying by San Francisco International Airport and that's when I saw the signs of this Wuhan have you been to Wuhan and all that and then uh, we started reading the news about that this is in early January right and sometime the third week of January is when I uh, uh, sat with the leadership team and said guys this is not going to be a small problem this is slowly developing into a bigger problem. And we actually uh, said, you know what, before we are caught flat-footed, let's exercise our, our BCP plan um, in advance in a, similar, in, a, in a small way, right? Just to see whether there's any adjustments that we need to make. So we actually had a portion of our employees work from home just to see how things are working out. We found out, okay, what do you need? Oh, you need a, you need a headset because there's ambient noise that we need to uh, cancel. Um, I need to make sure that I have a second uh, monitor for the finance function. They like to work with multiple monitors. Oh, yeah, I need to have some spare... Um, keyboards in case you want you want to have an external keyboard, right? Or I need to have a spare mouse. There are some basic things that we said. You know what? These are things that are needed for 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 employees just to do basically do their job. With a lot of our people working in in, in India, 
The network there is not as reliable as the network here. See, here we are used to AT&T and Comcast giving us 100, 200, 300 gig um, speeds, right? There, you, you end up having uh, a situation where the, the speeds are not as reliable. And in many cases, they're relying on 5G and, and, and 4G networks. So uh, what I did was call our telecom provider and ordered like the internet dongles. And I uh, called him and said, give me 2,500 internet dongles. He literally fell off the chair and said, Prasad, are you crazy? Why do you want so many? I said, no, I'm just preparing for the worst case scenario here. He's like, Prasad, I don't have that many. I said, okay, when can you get this to me? He said, it'll take me three days. I said, ship everything that you have. And then I, then I went with multiple different providers because if one network is down, I can go to the second uh, network, right? So that is the other thing we did. The, the, the one where I would say was a key learning is, yeah, I, I figured the technology part of it. I called my supply chain. I called my Mac vendor and my PC vendor. I said, you know what, guys, I'm going to buy 500 machines in advance, right? Stock it in here, this one, I'll come and pick it up when I, when I want it, right? Um, uh, and I said, actually ship some of them to my to my various offices. And so that way I can pre-build some of these and keep it ready for the new employee that comes on board. But what I did not account for is the fact that even my IT staff are going to be working from home, right? All the network, all the laptop builds happen in the office where they, we actually have an IT build room in which they would build all the laptops. Now, how do I take laptops which are being shipped to the office and ship it to every single IT employee's homes. Um, and this was a situation where in India, for example, uh, there's no there's no equivalent of a FedEx or a UPS. So that was a key learning. How do I figure out that part of the supply chain? Um, but then we, we, we found a different vendor who could who could ship it for us and then take care of the employee business continuity and all that. So these were, these were some things that we did, uh, Ian. But it was, in some respects, I would say, um, we were lucky because we called our we called the fact that it's going to be a pandemic even before it became a pandemic, and our management team we were we were prepared and then we were able to respond uh, without having any disruption to the business. That's it. I appreciate your foresight. I remember March 2020, getting my whole team together. Okay, we could be home for a couple of weeks here, so let's just think about that. And then about two days, Cap, I'm like, we're going to be going in a couple of weeks. How are we going to get through this? We didn't think about ordering, pre-ordering. Uh, it didn't take us about six months. Like, let's 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 take some of that equipment that's collecting dust in the office and like, you know, have a garage sale downstairs. Other employees can pick it up. Uh, that was that was fantastic. It worked great. Um, you know, you mentioned one thing, Prasad, about before the pandemic. You and I always we put these genius bars up in the office. Quick questions, right? Get a simple answer. You don't need to create a ticket. Hey, I, I need this software. I need a dongle. I need a mouse. Uh, that when we went the pandemic, it all went back to create a damn ticket. Mr. Employee, right? Um, so we're experimenting. Some, we got some really neat automations behind the scenes with with our product. You know, you don't, you, there's no IT involvement to get software. It's just a, a pre request in to a, basically a, a bot inside of Slack, and you have to get your software. But we're, we're experimenting with some AI on top of automation, so that you can kind of recreate that Genius Bar in in Slack or MS Teams. You say, just type in the channel. I I need Zoom. That's it. We know your we know your Carter. We know you Zoom. We know who your manager is. We can do all the approval processes, and then you just go ahead and get Zoom. So we're trying to really use AI plus automation to recreate that that genius bar that was that was so successful back in the day for us, and really made employees happy. Now they're back to tickets. Now we're trying to bring back the uh, that whole genius bar inside of a inside of a bot. That's where we're kind of heading. Yeah, we did something similar. We we used our uh, fresh service product, and I, so I know everything about the employee, right? So, and when somebody calls for help, and and we use Slack as well. So Slack talks to uh, fresh service. So when somebody raises a, an issue, I know exactly who this employee is, what their machine model is, what all software they have, 
and I'm able to provide the service. Right, right. And you can do that uh, because you have all that data and you have you know the, the Freshworks platform, you connect it all together and provide that employee a great experience. I haven't like, I'm Carter, I'm remote, uh, I have this laptop. You know, we know all that. We know all that great data about you already. We should be able to provide a great experience for you and have to retype that information for you. Carter, you know, with this this role that that you uh, that you have the the this like director of, of 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 the employee experience role, which is again so fascinating that this is something on an IT organization. Like, what has the feedback been for something like that? Is this something that people do they like it? Do they not get it? So I, I just hired Ford. His name is Sham. Hopefully, if you sign my offer letter, he's going to start next month. Feedback's been been really good. Just that, that we kind of rebranded it. I, I did go to head of HR. I said, "Hey, can I have this title for for this position?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah. I may have something somewhere, but I, I get why you want to do it. I see you're passionate about it. Uh, we may rebrand mine, but uh, I'm getting some really good feedback. And just when I was interviewing people, um, I got a lot of I got a lot of HR people applied to it. A lot of HR ops managers applied to that role. Uh, it was interesting. So I, I knew I had a bit of a Titled thing here, but uh, the, the IT folks who applied really appreciated how I spelled out uh, how we spelled out that job description as a really a, a, a great employee experience is what what we're passionate about. Not just you know do you, do you do Max and IT infrastructure and operations. It was really around the employee. So got great feedback that the people I interviewed with loved how we did that. Uh, internal people like how we re, how we're doing it, calling employee experience. We do need some. I feel like we're, we're scaling. So we went from 300 people to 800 people in 10 months here. And it's, it's starting to, they're starting to creak, uh, this employee experience that, that we're all passionate about. So to have that, me be able to speak internally that we have a new director of employee experience around technology coming in, it's helped sell it. And now let's take a quick break to hear about our amazing sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Asana. Even if your team isn't in the same place, your work can be. You just need Asana. Asana is where teams securely coordinate work so everyone knows who is doing what, by when, and why. To learn why millions of teams worldwide use Asana, visit asana.com. That's A-S-A-N-A.com. Okay, let's switch uh, let's switch gears here onto security and automation. Both of you have experienced rapid scaling uh, with your organizations. Prashad, just starting with you, are scale and security at odds? Yes and no, Ian. If you make security as an afterthought, where you're trying to now check a box to make sure that you are secure, then scale and security, they would be at, uh, at loggerheads, right? But if you make security um, part of your DNA, part of the way you think about things, then it does not have to be uh, kind of divergent things, right? So the way we think about it is, um, as, as the company is scaling, right? Uh, even though we may have the world's best security tools, I always believe that the weakest link in the entire security landscape is the employee, right? Focus, right? And focus, focus on the employee, right? And train them on what is the right thing and what is the wrong thing, right? And then whether you go from hundred to thousand, or from two thousand to five thousand, or five thousand to ten thousand, if you have that built into your culture where the employee knows what their responsibilities in the overall, uh, from an overall security perspective, then the chances of things going wrong, right? Or early alerts of uh, when they spot something going wrong, they actually become your eyes and ears on the ground rather than you trying to shove something down their throat saying, this is big ball, 
uh, Big Brother shoving down some security policy. Instead, it becomes more um, kind of uh, organic for them to think about security and that. So that's the way I've, we, have, we have kind of managed uh, to, to, to make sure that we still maintain a security posture within the, within the organization. Um, and obviously, when we moved into the into the uh, work from home mode, there were some creative things we did to make sure that because I can control my office network, I cannot control the Comcast network in your house. I cannot control control the AT and T network in your house, right? So. Um, we put a little extra emphasis on making sure that we secure the endpoints and secure the route to the network. Um, and then with, with our CASB solutions, we know whether there is anything that's 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 coming out there which is which is not supposed to be accessed um, and put those extra safeguards to make sure that the employee can still continue to do that job in a, in, in a secure way, right? So it, it goes down to the culture of the company uh, yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah, I completely agree, Prasad. And I agree the weakest link, I think, is your employees is to constantly have one of the constant reminders of security uh, we recently we just redid our our laptop security platform we just put in a, a new sso solution in the last four or five months uh, definitely great awareness out there we're doing some really neat things with security like you know, like you said security automations and being and, and using once we get an alert from a system instead of having someone manually look at it and research it we can trigger an automation to then go and say hey Prasad, we saw that you know you had this phishing email. I'm just a little concerned about it. are you okay? And that's just all all automated, right? And but it shows that hey, we're thinking about you behind the scenes. We it's not a person, but with automation of the data with a data trigger like that, we can actually automate a notification personal to employees that uh, you know we're, we're kind of watching. Just please be aware. <laughs> so it's it's uh, you know again going back to data triggers. An AI or an, an automation, uh, it 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 helps kind of reinforce that um, that employee uh, knowledge that they, they 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 need to help. Everyone needs to help us with security. It starts with the culture, like Prasad said. Carter, you know, obviously automation is is part of this as well. Can you can you kind of obviously you know this is what you do uh, and what Workauto does, but how is how is automation going to change security? There are so many tools out there. I mean, Prasada, how many thousands of tools do you get called on every day? Uh, I I think that it's going to change because we're all going to think I'll have to build a sock someday. You know, we got we got infrastructure security products, we got laptop security products, we got other environmental security issues we got to we got to worry about. There's this idea of collecting the logs and the data and then acting on it. All right, instead of throwing bodies in a sock, is taking these data triggers and the security alert and actually automating. Do we actually then close? Do we close an IP address automatically with automation, or do we do we manually do it? Do we go notify um, HR, hey, or an IT leader, hey, I saw I saw Jack over here download something over in this application. We may want to take an alert on that, Mister HRIT. So taking those data alerts and just these flags that that come off of all these security products we all have, but actually using these data triggers to trigger automations to either close a close a gap, I don't know, close an IP address close a firewall, um, shut down the application for a certain user that we think is, is, he's doing something wrong. So acting fast, that's how, that's how I feel automation is going to change security. That's so true, Carter. And if you look at, if you look at um, like you rightly pointed, right, there are lots of security tools. You get the optics of what is going on. But how do you make that into actionable uh, um, intelligence, right? Where um, instead of just uh, because the earlier you see that there is a threat in your in your in your landscape, and the earlier you take a corrective action, 
um, the less the damage to your, to your enterprise, right? So it's about how soon can you use automation to trigger a subsequent action and make it actionable, right? Where um, there is a corrective action or a preventive action that's done to, to either block that IP address or block that particular mal mal malware or the, the, the malicious actor from doing any, any further damage. That's where automation plays a significant role, Ian, right? Where uh, in our case, we actually feed it into our, uh, in, in, into uh, we call our uh, fresh service instances Lighthouse. We feed it into Lighthouse. It becomes a ticket which, which gets recorded, right? So the security engineering team, they can look at it and say, ha ha, here are all the alerts that came. Uh, where did it come from? Is this something that we need to worry about or? So on, right? So the, we use automation extensively, like like Carter. Right, and you can take certain alerts, right? And if that's this trigger equals this data trigger to send automation to go close a port or shut down a software or shut down a user. Yep, that's where IT op operations management comes in. Yep, right. Any other thoughts on 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 uh, on security or, or automation here before we uh, uh, get to our next uh, segment? Yeah, I think Prasad and I talking about this is like. I'm trying to figure out the magic bullet here is that back to employee experience and security. Uh, we know, Prasad and I know that people are going to use any device to do their job, especially on email. Uh, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we let employees do their job on maybe using their son's laptop to go look at email, right? Which is fine, but maybe they can't download anything. Maybe they can only do the big corporate job and throw on their, their company laptop, but really, how do you trust, how do you, based on the person and the device they're on, how do you control where they can go in the, in the, in the corporate environment now that, you know, there's, there's the corporate environment is all virtual now. Uh, I think they're, they're, that's where I, I would love to figure that out because I do want employees to be productive. And I, you know, if they want to go look at their email on some other device, okay, I'm fine with that. But, uh, you know, I don't want to be able to download email or download any attachments. So trying to find that magic bullet of using every, any device I want to use, but also controlling our, our, and, being aware of our corporate data. Yeah, so true, uh, Carter. Right? If you the, the best uh, analogy I can give here, Ian, is in the pre-pandemic world, we would spend a lot of energy in fortifying our offices. Yeah. Right? We, oh, we invest in firewall. We put all those intrusion detection, all of those things, to fortify the office. And if you go back another ten years, or, uh, go back another ten years, it was about fortifying your data center. Right? With, uh, if you look at the investments that were made in in terms of the the, the height of the ceiling, the, the the raised floor, the all of that fun stuff, right? But now, the the model now is your computing device is your connection to the internet, right? If you come into our data center, all you'll see is the switch which gives you access to the internet. But in your, when you're in a work from home mode, the, the computing device that the employee is using, whether it's their whether it's a company issued device or like Carter is saying, uh, if it, if it's your son's laptop that you're using to quickly check an email, right? That's your connection to the world. Right, so how do we fortify it and make sure that there is no malware that can come in and uh, and plant itself and then um, uh, uh, do some damage to your data, your employee data, uh, uh, your customer data, and so on? Right. So the term I use is the days of the firewall are dead. Right, and every machine now needs to have a firewall by itself. So fortify the machine and then using creative tools, make sure that the connection from that device to whatever properties the employee is entitled to access, which is where the keyword being entitlement, in a zero trust mechanism, then you will start securing your, your assets and your crown jewels, right? Otherwise, you're leaving all these things exposed. Okay, so coming up here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you both the floor to ask some questions for each other. Um, but before we do, it's CIO classified after all. 
What is one secret that you've learned in your career that not enough CIOs know? That's a great question, Ian. See, I think one thing which I learned, so I have, before getting into IT, right, I was in product development and then there was I was in consulting. And one of the people I used to work in consulting, he was the CIO of the company that I joined. And uh, that was my first real foray into IT. This was 20, 22 years back. And one of the things um, I did after my first one month into the job, right? He said, hey, Prasad, do you like your job? And I said, Jim, I love this job. Um, and he said, so what would you like to do next? I said, I want to be you someday, right? So the way I see um, the role of the CIO, right? You need to have the internal passion to want to, um, uh, to get to that level. Because see, some people are comfortable going on the technology side and becoming technologists. And there's a great career path for them. Then there are other people who like to specialize in, in, in one aspect of IT or the other, be it um, analytics, be it business applications, be it corporate IT. I think you will get the calling when you start looking at these things and um, you'll never know what, 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 what the fun is of being a CIO unless you have tried different things. So do some level of job rotation in, what, in, in, in the place that you're working in, where try out different things, be vulnerable, get out of your comfort zone, learn other things, that will tell you whether you're cut out for the CIO job. Because if you don't enjoy that uncertainty, if you don't enjoy the fact that morning I'll be dealing with an infrastructure issue, afternoon I'll be dealing with an analytics issue, if you're not comfortable with that, right, then maybe the CIO role is not the right role for you, right? So, um, and, and some people are more gravitating to one versus the other. And so this is what I learned, right, where uh, bouncing around between different IT functions enabled me to get that experience, which is what makes me who I am today. I, I, that really... Uh, stopped me in that, that question. I, it's like, because I know a lot, like Prasad and a lot of my CIO buddies, like, you know, I, I feel like we're all in this role for, you know, I think we're a lot of very similar, but I really go back to the people I look up to in CIO roles is they really are passionate about understanding how the, how the business they're in works. You know, then they're not necessarily concerned about the technology, but how can they, how can they can enable the business to go faster and, and with 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 the right cost measures in and and uh, and really understand the business and that that that's I feel like that's where the people the CIOs I look up to are, are very passionate about that and I don't think it's a secret I think it's how Prasad and I got in these jobs is that uh, yes we're technologists at heart and we love technology but can we can we talk to every business leader across the room like maybe a CEO can as well okay questions for each other let it rip who wants to go first. I'll go first. Who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Ah, ha, 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 ha. So being a Niners fan, losing to the Rams was not fun over the weekend. Um, so right now we are root, rooting for the Bengals. You are? Okay. I'm going for, I'm going for the Rams. I, I like to see Stafford get one. I like, I like him as, yeah. a, as a person. I, I like Stafford. To be honest, um, I like Stafford. But it's the traditional rivalry between between the Niners and, uh, and, 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 and any LA team, right? Any San Francisco team, like you're the Dodgers and Giants, the same, same rivalry, right? Yeah, it's the beat LA that you'll hear when you go to any of the San Francisco stadiums. I just, uh, I just I had, like the Rams the moved all around. I'm like, are they really an LA team? They have two teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This year is going to be a key year for Stafford and uh, Cup and others, right? Because I think I like uh, they, they're going to lose a lot because they, they gave up a lot of the first draft picks, uh, or the first round draft picks. Yeah. Um, so that would be my call. Maybe you and I can do a little wager, Carter, and I'm see good with that. who comes out on top. <laughs> I'll do it. Let's go. I'll, I'll text you my the wager. Yeah, yeah, and we can go out for lunch and then. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So here's a good one for you, and uh, this is something which I'm sure 
uh, half the half the companies are dealing with, right? Uh, this notion of the great resignation and uh, 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 creative ways by which you can you can retain uh, people. But before you answer that, uh, you said you're rooting for the Rams, right? I am. Yeah. So how 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 have you dealt with the great resignation, and are you seeing uh, it, it becoming increasingly difficult to 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 hire people and also to retain people? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. I heard I heard someone say the great reassessment instead of the great resignation. Um, people are just all reassessing their jobs. I like that term a little bit better because they're all you know people are thinking about. It. I just had a little mentory talk this morning with someone saying about leaving a great job. And I'm like, oh, I just give me something out here. So he's, he's kind of reassessing his career. We're have great momentum here at Orcado. So it's the our churn is not is not there's not really a problem here. We have great numbers and people are sticking around because I think they see momentum here. So we've been fortunate. I've been on the other side of this, but other side of companies, but uh, very fortunate the retention is, is good here. But I think they see it with where an exit could be. Uh, hiring is tough. And I tell you what, you know what, to, to get, to get the folks, my, I'm doing, I'm doing the most recruiting. I'm like, Hey, I'm the hiring manager. I really want to talk to you uh, because they're not getting back to our recruiters. Uh, they're just not. So I, I, I am spending probably 40% of my time hiring key roles, literally just in LinkedIn, sending personal notes. Hey, I'm the hiring manager of this position or, Hey, this position's on my team. Can we talk? Uh, so that's what I'm doing with it. Spending just a lot of time, just hiring the right people personally yeah and not not relying on recruiters i, I do but they're just we're just like oh, they haven't got any haven't got any feedback from anybody yet you know what i heard one time this is from a talent or it was a uh, it was a technology platform they were saying that and i forget the exact numbers but it was when the actual person responds the person like so the ceo of the company i believe it was responded to um and obviously you know size may vary but when the uh, when the CEO of the company or the CIO or, or the VP or whoever it was, when they responded to the people, that it was like 10x number of applications that they got, you know, the people that actually filled out like an application and stuff like that. I've I've seen, you know, from from my perspective, I do that. We're a super small company, but like I respond to every one of those because like I'll post the job opening. But I wonder if it would be, you know, if you were posting the job and you're like hammering it on LinkedIn and you're the one responding saying like, hey, this is awesome. I'll, I'll loop you into our team, how well that would do. Yeah. No, no, I think that, that, that that's that's a great strategy, Carter. See, we don't have an attrition issue, right? But finding people, um, they don't want it. They don't want to work. There are some people who are like saying, I'm burnt out. I don't want to work, right? And since we hire all over the world, in different parts of the world, the the burnout factor has been different, right? And uh, so that's where I was seeing if you had um, um, other creative this one, right? I'm, I do a lot of recruiting. In fact, I tell my team, right? Every manager, apart from uh, managing the people and the and the function, you are a recruiter, right? Uh, that's part of your job description. It's it's not a choice. That's that's part of the job, right? I'm constantly recruiting. When I meet somebody for coffee, I'm recruiting them. Right. I may not have a role today, but I may have a role for them tomorrow. I know. I so. think you're an amazing salesperson too. It's your, it's your energy. Uh, yeah, we, we have to be recruiters. That's a big part of our job. That that's my silver bullet. I, I and I don't I, I I'm literally cold cold linking into to people too. I target companies, I target the roles. LinkedIn's really easy for me to do that. And I target the role, target the company, target the role, and I just send really personal emails to personal LinkedIn to these folks. Okay, gents, we're closing in on our lot of time together. Final question before uh, before we get out of here. Um, 
look into the future, look into predictions. I know you don't have a crystal ball. One prediction going forward for the rest of 22 or piece of advice that you would give to your fellow CIOs. I think, you know, Prasad hit on a bit is uh, what, what's your burnout to? When, you know, Prasad's got a global team. I have a global team. Uh, I feel like the, with uh, COVID and oh, we're, we're the two leaders here, um, but we're also, we're, we're, uh, we have the global team. We're the ones usually stretching ourselves personally a bit um, to make sure all our employees are happy. So what, watch, watch your personal burnout rate too. Uh, make sure you put yourself and your family first. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Carter. And, uh, and, and, and make sure that you don't forget that IT employees are also employees, right? So most of the time we optimize for the, um, uh, the actual end users, but our IT department, they are also employees. They're also humans, right? So um, sometimes they, they go uh, more than an extra mile. They go hundreds of miles extra to, to, to serve our users and they get burnt out. So I keep reminding them, guys, you, 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 are, you are employees too. I want you to also have, have a life. I want you to have a vacation, right? So, um, so that's one thing which we focus on. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Carter, start with you. I'm looking forward to baseball season getting started here. Prasad, are you a Giants fan? Yes, I am. All right, let's go to Giants game then. So let's go to a Giants game. Now that football's wrapping up, uh, Giants, the San Francisco Giants are going to start playing again. And yes, I, if they were the Dodgers were in this World Series, I de- definitely root against the, the Dodgers. Come across the bay. <laughs> Come to an A's game. <laughs> oh, I've been to an A's game. Those are fun. Yeah, by the way, the A's coach, Mark Kotze, he used to be my neighbor. Um, oh, yeah, so the, he and uh, he and my son were very good friends, and he would come and give tickets to the games when when he was a neighbor. Um, and then he moved back to LA, and then he came back here. Um, so I think you you were asking about parting comments, right? See, I think both Carter uh, and I, right, we, we 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 are we are of the belief that technology is is for everybody, right? And uh, similar to what they do at Carter and what we do at Freshworks, we believe that um, technology is meant for everybody. Right, and we want to make sure that we we come up with a democratic uh, way by which users uh, choose and use technology to to increase adoption. And um, by by doing that, you're taking care of the employee engagement, you're taking care of the employee experience and the customer experience. Right. So, um, so that's that would be my parting thought, uh, Ian. I love it, Jens. Thanks so much for joining, sharing those classified uh, secrets uh, that uh, that everybody's looking for. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, and we'll talk soon. Okay, and thank you, Prasad. Thank you. Great to see you. Yeah, same here. Thanks, Carter. And thank you, Ian, for doing this. Thank you for listening to CIO Classified. This episode was brought to you by Asana. From everyday tasks to big picture goals, Asana securely organizes work. So teams know what to do, why it matters, and how to get it done. Plus, with more than 100 integrations, Asana brings together everything your team needs to communicate, collaborate, and coordinate work in one place. Visit asana.com to try for free. That's A-S-A-N-A dot